So welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us again. And we are very glad to have Dave Bilber leading us again in worship. So Dave, before you start, what's been happening to you over the summer? You know, you're now allowed out, aren't you? Anything uh, kind of, yeah. Still doing the live streaming. Actually, I've been writing a book, um, the stories and uh, an accompanying album, which I'm calling uh, Tales, Songs, Tales of a Troubadour and Songs of a Troubadour. And uh, it's a distillation of a lot of my travels, experiences, but also hopefully along the fun stories that I'm sharing, I hope something of uh, value that will really touch people and encourage them in their own spiritual journey. And when will that be out? Hopefully next week. Uh, oh, we'll see. Oh, yeah. uh, Just in time for Christmas. Well, yes, that does happen. We're coming to it. <laughs> no, so we'll put yeah. a link on this when it's when it goes out. Yeah, we'll put cool. the, the link to get yeah, to you. It's a couple of weeks anyway. Thanks. Um, so, yeah, all good times. And uh, it's a great privilege, really, to be able to lead you today. I think we should start with some affirmation because, uh, you know, we've had the intense time of COP26 and all that means or all that doesn't mean, whatever's going on. We need to lift up our heads and see the King of glory in our midst. Instead of looking down and seeing darkness, lift up your heads to the King of glory. Open wide those gates of praise. I claim the first, the last, the living. your heads to the King of glory. Open wide those gates of praise. I claim the first, the last, the living one who has triumphed over the grave. He has risen, Christ has risen. He's alive glory. Open wide those gates of praise. I claim the first, the last, the living one who has triumphed over the grave. He has risen, and he has risen. Christ has risen. He's alive Your heads to the King of glory. Open wide those gates of praise. I claim the first, the last, the living one who has triumphed over the grave. He has risen, Christ has risen, he's alive forever. Powers of darkness. 
circumstances or situations we know that God is over all and from that throne is undiluted love flowing from the Father's heart he reigns and yet he lifts us up in all our weakness and reveals love beyond measure love beyond measure mercy so free Mercy so free, your endless resources, your endless resources given to me, given to me. Strength to the weary, healing our lives, healing our lives, your love beyond measure, your love beyond measure. Has opened my eyes, open my eyes, open my eyes. Love beyond measure, love beyond measure, mercy so free, mercy so free, your endless resources. Your endless resources given to me and given to me strength to the weary, strength to the weary, healing our lives, 
love be your measure Your love be your measure Has opened my eyes Open my eyes Love be your measure Love beyond measure, mercy so free, mercy so free, your endless resources, your endless resources, given to me, given to me, strength to the weary, strength to the weary, healing our lives, healing our lives, your love beyond measure. Your love be your measure Has opened my eyes Open my eyes Come on, let's sing it just one more time Love be your measure, mercy so free Your endless resources given to me That's the power of the gospel The power of grace we deserve nothing, and yet God's resources are given to us. Not just to forgive us, but to strengthen us, to uphold us, to lift us, and to make us ambassadors out into this world in which we live. Love beyond measure. Love beyond measure. Mercy so free. Mercy so free. Your endless resources given to me. Given to me strength to the weary, strength to the weary, healing our lives, and healing our lives. Your love beyond measure, your love beyond measure has opened my eyes, has opened my eyes, has opened my eyes. open my eyes Lord may you open our eyes further and further not to be satisfied with things of the past but into the future to see a new destiny dawning to see a new day dawning to see a new hope and a new calling and a new vision based on that love beyond measure Has opened my eyes, Lord. Open my eyes, open my eyes. Amen. Open our eyes as we, I guess, stay fixed in awareness of who Christ is. Searchable truth, 
know this from Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. In the midst of great torments, in the midst of great activity, God calls us to be still and know. Be still and know that I am God. Step into this moment where I am at know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Your fears have no foundation. words of Psalm 46 into our experience and into our lives now. Whatever's going on, give us eyes to see that you are our resources. to you Christine. Thank you Dave. Let's just be still for a bit longer. Hmm. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Dave. This evening, I'm going to share just for a short while on a, a couple of key themes that some of us are very familiar with. They come uh, from some schools of ministry that we've been involved with, Father Heart and Restoring the Foundations, and there's quite a few people on here who minister in those. But we thought it'd be good to, to just revisit a couple of the key themes <coughs> that relate to the ministry, which have set us free. So they are our testimony and they are our ongoing walk. And then uh, Donna and Phil and Dave and Pat are going to carry on where I finish, perhaps dialogue, perhaps question um, around some of these key points. So I think it was just before 2020, you know, at that time when everyone's saying, what's the word of the Lord? What's the prophetic word for the, for the new year? Um, I was praying and the Lord said, this year, you're going to ask lots of questions, but you won't get the answers. And I thought well, that's, that's a bit inconvenient for somebody who works in the prophetic ministry or ministers in the prophetic, that I'm asking you questions, Lord, and you're not giving me any answers. And he said, yeah, that's right. And of course, then we know that COVID hit and there were lots of questions, but nobody really knew the answers. And I found that really helpful because there wasn't an answer. And we walk by faith and not by sight. And even though we might have a prophetic gift or ministry, it isn't about knowing what's happening all the time far ahead. It's knowing how to live in the future now. So the prophetic is really about, you know, the Lord is leading us. He leads us in paths of righteousness. I always think that's plural, paths of righteousness. But also he wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. You know, Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing at the time he was doing it. Um, so that was, a, that was a lesson to me and a comfort that sometimes there aren't any answers. And as human beings, we want to know. Knowledge is important. We want to know what the Lord's saying. We want to know what the church is doing. We want to know what's happening. And so he doesn't always tell us. What I found really encouraging was um, Bill Johnson's son, Eric, and Candice, his wife, they were leading Bethel. They, I think they've been leading Bethel as one of the senior leaders, two of the senior leaders, for about 10 years. And unexpectedly, they both felt the Lord was calling them out but they didn't know what he was calling them into. That's interesting, isn't it? Walking by faith and not by sight. He was calling them out. And Eric had a statement which was his learning point after he'd been through this challenge. I imagine, you know, he, he must have told his father, Bill Johnson, and, and the family that they were moving away and they didn't know where they were moving to and they were leaving this church, which most people would have thought was a wonderful thing to lead you know, a big church like Bethel. But they had such courage to do that, and that really spoke to me. But Eric said a couple of things. He said, we had to become friends with uncertainty. That's faith, isn't it? We had to become friends with uncertainty. And the other thing he said, which I think is really helpful if you've got prophetic words over your life, is we had to grieve unfinished vision. Unfinished vision. Because some visions, some prophecies, some, some words are time limited and they, they happen within the appointed time. But sometimes the appointed time has moved on and, yeah. and maybe now we're in this new, new season 
where it is the appointed time and it is over and we need to give thanks for that. So is there anything we need to grieve over in the right way? Celebrate unfinished vision and say, Lord, thank you for what you have done. But we recognize that the time of, the, of that is over. We don't have to have regrets, but we can know the time and season we're in. And that can be a hard path. It's called the path of faith. But we're called to be led by the spirit. And he did say he would never leave us or forsake us. The problem is we need to know. And that's my key point now. We as human beings need to know what's going on. We look at Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and they were told there was one tree they shouldn't eat from. The tree of not good and evil, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that's our problem. That's our problem today. We've got two choices of where we get our information from. We can get our information from the world, from the knowledge of what works and what doesn't work, from our history, even from our, our Bible understanding. But God wants us to get our knowledge from him, from the tree of life, not from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. There was already evil on the earth before Adam and Eve, mankind, was created. Satan had fallen to the earth before that. So there was gross reality existing alongside glorious creation. Mankind was the greatest glory for God on the earth. And mankind was meant to live in unbroken relationship with God and to subdue the earth. And that include, included Satan and his works. And now because we have Christ in us, because we are redeemed, because we are restored, we are back in that glorious relationship as it was in the beginning, but even better. Christ in me, the hope of glory. You and I can have an unbroken relationship with God, which is abundant life. We can get all the knowledge we need from him. His spirit teaches us. His spirit leads us. We can eat from that tree of life. Mm. And we can be content with the provision of God, not having to know, like me, not needing the answers to my questions. Eating from the tree of life, being, being at peace with whatever situation we're in. But the flesh we still have with us. And every day we have to choose which tree we're going to eat from. Even Christians can continue eating from the wrong tree. Mm. Eating from that tree brought death to the earth and to mankind, and it still does that today. God does not want us eating from the tree of knowledge of what works on the earth. He wants us to be heavenly minded. He wants to, to be seated in heavenly places that we get our knowledge from being with him, from who he is with us in that moment, from seeing what he is doing. It's a higher knowledge. It's the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom. You know, Matthew 13, it's the disciples asked Jesus, why did, why did he speak in parables? And he said, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom has been given to you. Those seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not understand. Because they're seeing and hearing from the wrong tree. The knowledge of what they're seeing and the knowledge of what they're hearing is not coming directly from God. It's coming from their experience or their history or their culture, all sorts of things. So what is the secret of seeing and hearing? It's about hearing from the right source. He gives us a spirit of wisdom and revelation, but we need to have the ears to hear 
and the eyes to see. We need the right lenses in our glasses, if you like. Ephesians 4.1 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That's the knowledge we need, the knowledge of him. Not the knowledge of what's good and what's evil, but the knowledge of him. And that's all the knowledge we need. So eating that fruit was about a knowledge and way of seeing things differently. Satan had a fallen perspective on what was good as well as evil. And that's why he incited Adam and Eve to see it from his point of view, to see what he was seeing, his distorted, perverted view of God. But the, tr the tree of knowledge of good and evil gave mankind freedom to choose to live with him or not. God didn't want a forced relationship. He wanted mankind to have dominion on the earth, which was also inhabited by Satan. And John's favourite verse, or chapter Romans 8, all creation is waiting for us to be back living and presenting the glorious freedom of the sons and daughters of God who live from the right source, the right tree. So which lenses are we looking through? Mm. Eve, Adam and Eve, when, well, so when Satan came to Eve, he told her that they would die. She told, sorry, she told Satan that they would die if they eat of the tree of good and evil. And Satan said, you will not die. For God knows when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. So on one level, they didn't die. Maybe Satan knew that there was something about eating the tree, that there was a different kind of death, because that's certainly what came. But they didn't die. So Satan had some knowledge, but he didn't have the knowledge. He didn't have the truth. All he could do was sow doubt in Eve's mind and change her mind, change what she knew as true to something that was false. So she believed him and ate the fruit and so did Adam and their eyes were opened. Suddenly they realised they were naked. It's interesting, isn't it? They, they didn't actually look any different. But when they, when they looked at themselves with a different understanding of what knowledge was, they saw themselves separate from God as unacceptable. And they sewed fig leaves to cover themselves up, which I'm told is actually the worst kind of leaf you could pick because it's really prickly underneath. So <laughs> they didn't even have the sense to look at what they were putting over there, the things they needed to cover up. So which eyes were opened? It says their eyes were opened. Not their physical eyes, because they could already see, but their spiritual eyes that were seeing God were opened in a different way. Their spiritual eyes before could see God exactly as he was and walk with him in the garden. But their other eyes were opened. The eyes that see separate from God were open. You could say they are fallen eyes. And those eyes see in a completely different way from the divinely created purpose for the eyes. After the fall, mankind would see through a distorted version of reality. And that's what we're like before we are restored in relationship to God, before we have Christ in us, we will always see a distorted reality. And the problem we've got at the moment, the media is sending us all sorts of messages of knowledge, you know, is, is, is actually doing exactly what Satan was doing. Hmm. Did God really say? 
and we could look at all the current issues that the church is facing, which I won't go into now, but it's looking at them from different eyes. The world is trying to tell us to look at the truth differently. And that's the challenge we have in the church. You know, where is the truth that we believe? Is it the Bible? Is it what preachers say? Is it what the church is saying? Well, the only truth we've got is what God says and how we hear God and how we see God correctly. And we need one another. It says the body of Christ has the mind of Christ. It's not enough for me on my own to know what God is saying. I'm part of a body and you're part of a body. We need to hear one another. You know, my, my favorite verse, Malachi 3.16, those who feared the Lord talk together. There's something about us talking together on earth. The body of Christ has the mind of Christ. And Denise Jordan has a lovely phrase. She says, the mind of Christ is how love thinks. Hmm. Love can think. So we need to think how love thinks. We need to think how God thinks. So after they ate, the Lord came walking in the garden and they hid from him. God said, where are you, Adam? Adam said, I heard you and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. So he was no different, if you like, than before, but he saw himself differently and something called fear came into him. A fear came into him because he was suddenly separate from God. He'd made himself separate from God. This is what happens. Fear comes into mankind when we're separate from God. Who told you you were naked, said God? Here comes the first start of the blame game. <laughs> the woman you gave me, it's her fault. She did it. You know, straight away, we've got to have some kind of justification. We're not taking responsibility for ourselves. Someone else made me do it. Now they could see, and they didn't like what they could see. They knew themselves differently from before, and their knowledge of reality was corrupted. Shame, fear, and control came into mankind. So now they had to do what we all do when we've got shame or we've got fear, is that we try and control the situation. We try and hide from the reality of fallenness, covering up with our fig leaves. Or maybe, you know, if you're a middle-aged man with a Harley Davidson to cover up the fact that you're getting older or getting Estee Lauder products, believing they'll make you look 10 years younger. You know, we find ways to cover up what we fear is reality. We fear the reality outside of God. Human beings like to control. And actually, we need to be led by the spirit of God. Jesus only did what he saw the father doing, modeling obedience, seeing and hearing rightly from the right source. Fallenness is doing what seems right or wrong in our own eyes and getting our knowledge from the wrong tree. Fig leaves are the ways we survive in human life, ways to hide from each other and from God. Then we have shame and guilt because we're not feeling right. We're not feeling good enough. So we have to perform to try and make ourselves feel acceptable for God. When we're born again, we are redeemed. We are made righteous and restored in Christ. We are always good enough in him. And anytime we do anything which is not righteous, we can go to the Father through Christ and be delivered from any and all unrighteousness. We don't have to live with shame or fear. 
We don't have to control our lives. So how do we know which tree we're eating from? Well, what brings life to you and to me? Are we seeing and hearing from a place of insecurity, low self-image, offence? We can take that to the cross right now and be free again. Romans 8, 16, when we eat of the tree of life, God's spirit joins with our spirit to bring us alive in God. We don't need to eat of any other tree again. We don't have to hide anymore. We don't need fig leaves. We live in the glorious freedom of the sons of God. So I'm going to ask Phil and Donna and Dave and Pat, just take that on in whatever direction they would like to take it. <laughs> Phil, you go. I just, quite a challenge, really. I, I was thinking about this idea of the two trees, and I, I realised for the first time as you were talking and, and reading your notes originally that actually Adam and Eve might have lived in the garden for several years and they had didn't need the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They got all of their knowledge, their wisdom, their understanding from God and from the tree of life. So actually, for me, that was, I realized that I don't need to access that tree at all. And thinking about the whole thing of knowledge, I thought, well, actually, knowledge is a bit like money, isn't it? It's neither good nor bad. But actually, knowledge is different to money because knowledge, there's forbidden knowledge, you know, divinate, you're not to do sorcery or divination, all of those sorts of things. So as I was thinking about it, and, and what son, I suddenly realised, well, how do I know which tree I'm eating from? And I thought, well, actually, it's what you said, it's about the fruit. Um, and fruit produces fruit. Um, so if I eat from the wrong tree, then what comes out is going to be is going to be not so good. You know, I will be driven by what's in it for me. What's, um, you know, do I use this knowledge to put people down? So I thought, well, actually, if, if it's fruit and we eat it, it tastes. So I thought, well, actually, it's a bit like you said, Chris, that if you are eating from the wrong tree, then the taste isn't good. And so for me, I'm beginning to think, well, actually, that, that is one of the, the keys. What does the fruit taste like? Mm. What is the result of what I'm searching mm. after? Does it taste good? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Mm. So there was a couple of things that jumped out at me, this, this whole idea. Um, and I just love the idea that, that in one sense, knowledge is neither good nor bad, except for the bit you're not allowed to have but it's how we use the knowledge um, and, and whether I need that knowledge because I have to have an answer or whether I can live with that uncertainty. So I think that it's like a scales. We can have loads of knowledge, but it has to be weighed by whether it's uncertain or certain. Hmm. Um, so for me, I love the idea that, that knowledge is out there um, but God loves to hide it. So he also wants us to search for the secrets. Hmm. So um, I think that's that's one of the things that's come out for me, this bit, bit vague, but there we go. Hmm. Not vague. <laughs> Not vague at all. Thanks, Phil. Pat and Dave? Do you want to go first? No, Pat? I'll go after you. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, what jumps out is, you know, the source, the tree of life. Um, when I'm faced with uh, uncertainty uh, of what to do, what steps to take, um, do I uh, go back into my uh, tendencies uh, towards, you know, fear, um, inadequacy, or do I draw on the, the life where the life is? Uh, you know, if, it, do I draw on the tendencies of what's worked before? Uh, and I think um, it's finding that tree of life uh, that, that brings the life. Now, how do you do that? Uh, for me, one of the, the ways of discovering that is, is through worship, because we begin to lose our sense of ego, our sense of self-importance. <coughs> and begin to lose ourselves in a, in a bigger picture. And I find out of that that God speaks to me. Um, for other people, it might be, you know, walking through, through the park and uh, looking at nature and, um, and, and allowing God to speak through that. But it's, uh, it might be playing with grandchildren. Uh, God can speak through that. But it's, it's, it's letting go and digging into what is bringing life as opposed to the knowledge uh, of what I've had in the past or what I've done in the past. And I think for all of us, as we get older, sometimes um, we feel more pressure uh, because we're supposed to have experience <laughs> and we're supposed to be the mature ones and we're supposed to know what to do. Um, but actually, half the time, we don't. Uh, and, you know, it's digging into that sense of vulnerability of where is the life um, uh, that, that uh, uh, occurs to me as I let go and allow God to remind me of the lineage that I have, who I am in Christ. Not what gifts do I have, but who I am, the foundation of who I am. Um, so... I mean, I, I'm, I'm interested in this, you know, that Jesus uh, said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Um, so it's not just what we've done in the past. It's allowing God to speak to us right now. Where is the life? And I think, you know, if, when change comes in our circumstances, in our situations, that is so much the key. What is bringing life to me at this moment in time? So, you know, that's my little thing, really, Chris. And thank you. Um, very, very good teaching and very strong, very clear. Mm. Agreed, absolutely agree. Um, when you were speaking, Chris, about um, when Eve, um, Adam and Eve, suddenly saw in a different way, it, it made me remember when I first received Christ, how I then saw in a different way. And I wonder if we can all just think back to that moment when we received Jesus, whichever way it was, however you call it, became Christians. Suddenly our eyes were opened and we could see Jesus. I, I couldn't see Jesus physically, but I knew he was there. I saw him and it completely revolutionized my my life and has done for it ever since 
And um, yeah, it's so fantastic to be able to see in that new way. And I don't always do it. Um, things come along, like Dave, Dave has spoken about, that can make me fearful, um, worried, anxious. But I know, I have to then go back to knowing what God has done for me. He's put me in Jesus, and I'm in Jesus. And that is the most wonderful place to be. And in him, I have peace. I have love. I have joy. I have forgiveness, of course. I have every gift that he has. Oh, I'm talking about the fruits of the Spirit now. But also, I remember my dearest friend, our dearest friend, and many of you will know him too, Morris Smith, when he used to speak about when he suddenly came rushing into the house, and sadly he, is, he has died since, very recently, but here he was very much alive, and he came rushing into the, into the house and he said, Eileen, Eileen, I'm dead, I'm dead. <laughs> and she's looking at him thinking, like many times Eileen did look at Morris like this, what on earth is he going on about? But he realised that he had died with Christ, a revelation, and he'd rose again with him. And it's that thing of remembering that we are dead. We are dead. We died with Christ. And, and we are alive in him now. And all these things that come on us, these negative things, I'm, I'm still learning to not take them on, not to take any negativity, just to refuse it, because that's dead. That part of me is gone. I, I live a new life now, and every time that I can do that, I choose to do that, then my spirit soars. And, and oftentimes as well, I will ask the peace within me, Jesus is my peace, I'll ask that peace within me to rise up, and sometimes I'm not able to sleep at night, and I'm lying awake, my mind's going round and round and round circles, and I'll stop and think, no, hang on a minute, and I'll just say, Jesus, let your peace rise up in me. And suddenly I'm just filled because we have that peace of Jesus in us. And that brings, brings me new life as well. So um, I think that's it, really. But that's what you sparked off in me, Chris. So thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. And, and we don't need answers, but this is the dialogue. This is, this is how we hear one another and we, we grow from the fruit of hearing one another's testimony mm. so thank you pat that was great and dave mm. so donna lou yes <laughs> what I do you bring know, i didn't know how you were going to approach this and so when i was uh rethinking about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil versus the tree of life um i went back to my very first teachings on this when i heard um uh, stephen hill teach this the first time and it was such an eye-opener to me to realize that that not only do we have choices of two trees to, from which to live our lives but we have two different hearts and when um when G, when adam and eve were in this beautiful wonderful fellowship with with father they lived from their hearts that are, they were, they were the hearts of the spirit. And they weren't polluted from things of the mind or anything like that. 
And so, but then when they went against and ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, all of a sudden their eyes and ears were open. And that was the eyes and ears that we see with these eyes and these ears. And it, it polluted everything. It changed everything. And as you said, all of a sudden, for the first time in their lives, Adam and Eve felt shame and fear. And they had to control and cover themselves because they didn't want anything to be seen. And then it took me from there to thinking about our wonderful Jesus, who in John says over and over and over and over, um, I, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. I don't say anything unless I hear him say it. And so um, that is where we're all heading, where we're going to be all living totally from the tree of life. Because that's what Adam and Eve were doing. They were living from the words of God himself and from the comfort of God himself, from the fellowship of God himself. And then Jesus came and demonstrated that to us again, just like Adam and Eve did. And so it, it excites me to be able to come into this revelation. When I heard that the first time, it, it was like a, a door of life opened up to me that I had mm -hmm. not experienced before. And so um, that's, that's what I felt when I was re-evaluating what I had learned from the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's so much more to it, but I'm just going back to the very basics, the very beginning part of it. Thank you, Donna Lou. Very good. You're welcome. Thank you, all of you, for sharing. And each of these words, Phil Jupp was saying something in our, our group the other week about seeds, and it's like all the words shared this evening are seeds that we can we can take and they'll grow into whatever the Lord wants them to grow in if they if they bring life. So Lord, we just pray for all the seeds from the worship, from the word, from the dialogue, Lord, that what you want us to understand in our spirits will be seeded, <clears throat> seeded in our spirits. So Lord, thank you. Thank you that we can talk together. We don't have to have answers from you. But, Lord, you love to hear us talk. Mm. You know, as it says in Malachi 3.16, those who feared the Lord talked together and the Lord listened and the Lord recorded what they said. And I wonder why he needed to do that. But it says he did it, and so I can only think there's a good reason for it. So, Lord, we hope yes. that you, you are blessed by the dialogue we've had this evening. Thank you, everyone, for sharing. <laughs>